You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Poor Kyle Shanahan, he can't catch a break. Well, maybe if he stops screwing things up. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your opportunity to be a part of the program, and we will pose this question to you. Is Kyle Shanahan going to just need a change of scenery before you know it? Why do we bring that up? Because the other day, none of the 49er players really went out of their way, uh, as our guy Dominique Foxworth uh, suggested, to just flat out lie about the situation, about not knowing uh, the rules late in that game, Joe. Did you catch our guy Freddie yesterday? Oh, I did. Oh, well, did I? Yeah, for I those was here. Listen, not, he, he started the show with this. Yes. For those who did not, here is Freddie Coleman of Freddie and Harry yesterday, who was none too pleased with the 49er players not backing up their coach. There is no <laughs> way on God's green earth that I am diming out my coach if I'm Eric Armstead of the 49ers and Kyle Juszczyk of the 49ers. That's supposed to be family with this football team. That's supposed to be family in this locker room. All that stuff that had gone haywire, where your coach has always had your back as players for the San Francisco 49ers, and then you do your coach dirty like that? I don't care if you felt that way. There is no way you leave your coach hanging out the dry. What kind of nonsense is that? I know if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I got an exit interview with those two, I would say, yeah, we're going to be moving some furniture around here. Lock the door behind you. Eric Armstead, I don't care if you are six foot eight, 300. Me and you going to move some furniture around here. I, I get the sentiment. Okay? I love that phrase, by the way. Let's yeah. move some furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I get the sentiment. Eric Armstead's an awesome player. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is a pretty good player, too. I am more likely to cut them some slack for saying it just because, Joe, it was moments after the game ended, and there's probably still some anger over the situation. But here we are, and Kyle Shanahan had what happened in Atlanta, still following him, had what happened a couple of years ago, still following him. Those two games outscored, what was the number you gave? 51 nothing in the fourth quarter of those two games? Oof. 51 nothing. And then what happened the other day? It gets harder and harder to follow someone when you don't necessarily believe they're always going to make the right decision and it's backed up by proof. The uh, the end of game interviews. I, I think <laughs> Freddie Freddie that was fantastic. By the way, oh, it absolutely was. It's I I it feels to me like with Usechek and Armstead, that was a scenario where they weren't thinking about covering for their coach because I think all of it was happening to them in real time, and they just were starting to realize that a yeah we never went over this, and b 
we just lost the Super Bowl, and C, we may have made a really bad decision to start overtime, but we're not really sure. Like, it feels like all of that was coming together at the end, and no one was thinking, like, we got to cover for our coach, he made a mistake, we got his back. I think all of them were finding out in real time just how bad all that played out because they were that unprepared for it. From top to bottom, Shanahan included. Like, I think the players just thought, we're getting the ball, we're going down the field, we're going to try to win this game. And when they started to realize how they had approached that and why they lost, it settled in as a real harsh reality. Now, as for Shanahan's future with the team, look, there were some really dark times in San Francisco before he showed up. The year before he got there was a one-and-done with Chip Kelly. That was a disaster. The year before that was a one-and-done with Jim Tom Sula, which was a disaster. And this was all coming off the end of the Harbaugh era. Kyle Shanahan, at the very least, is a program builder. He built these guys up. He knows how to win football games. Kyle Shanahan knows how to design an offense. Kyle Shanahan knows the rules of a defense, and he knows how to break them. He's a fantastic play caller, fantastic play designer, good culture guy. You never hear about big-time issues in the locker room with his teams, but he does have one flaw. He can't close out big games. It's not his thing. These moments get to him, and he doesn't know how to handle them. So if you're Jed York, if you're John Lynch, whoever's in charge over there, you're going to sit down with Shanahan at the end of the season. You're not going to threaten anything. You're not going to offer ultimatums. You're not going to talk about hot seats or anything like that. You're going to ask one question. What do you need to improve these end-of-game scenarios? What can we do to help you? Because it is very clear at this point in time, he needs help. Mm. It's not a mistake that's happened once. He has been involved in way too many big-game collapses. He's made bad decisions. He's made bad judgment calls. And now he just had a tactical error because he wasn't prepared. So someone needs to sit down with him and just ask, what do you need from us to get over this hump? We are here as a resource. We have lots of money. We have lots of reach. We have lots of power. What can we do to improve this? And that's the next step for the 49ers because you can't keep going the way you've been going. Your head coach has shown he can't close these games out. You know what you just described? You described like one of those job performance reviews yeah where you're doing a terrible job and they're asking you what you need to do what they can do to help better it's a prelude to getting fired i that, that's not what and, i was and, intending uh, okay i know it wasn't but that's what it sounds like from the outside because when i think about shanahan at this point i think about john lynch i i'm gonna say it's a day later i'm saying let's just argue that it's on the plane home yesterday, you can't tell me that John Lynch on the plane home isn't asking himself, can this guy get us over the hump? Now, um, last week, the discussion about Andy Reid came up, right? And how he in Philadelphia couldn't get that team over the hump. And the big discussion was always around whether or not he could actually run the football when they needed to run the football. And then he goes, gets a change of scenery, goes somewhere else, and oh, what do you know? He got Patrick Mahomes. And all of a sudden, he's winning Super Bowls all over the place. And he did change the identity of the team late in the year when they needed to, to run the ball. I honestly look at this right now. If I'm John Lynch, I gave you the I gave you the first Super Bowl. It's twice now. I, I'm not being as kind as you are to say, what can we do to help you get over this hump? I'm asking myself, can he get us over this hump? I know I can't fire him. I'm not firing him right now. But I also know 
that leash became a whole lot shorter than it was prior to the game the other night. Can the problem be solved? Let's start with that. Can the problem be solved? That, because it's only you up to Shanahan. It's, we, it, 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 the evidence suggests no, right? I mean, the evidence so far suggests no. It suggests to me it can't happen by him. He's not going to solve it. It's clear as day he's not going to solve this issue. He, he, We spent two weeks talking about him blowing these big games, and then he promptly went out and did it again. It was almost as if everyone was trying to tell him, dude, third quarter, why are you throwing the ball all over the field? Run the ball. Every idiot on Sports Talk Radio has been talking about this for two weeks. Stop out thinking the room. Run the ball. They haven't done a great job of limiting Christian McCaffrey. First half of that game, they, they averaged over six yards per play in that game. It's yeah. not as if they were stifling the rushing attack. The Niners were winning the war in the, on the, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And he comes out and he calls eight pass plays out of his first nine on offense, and they go three and out, three and out, three and out. And then he doesn't know overtime. Like, those are two very distinct problems. He once again was repeating his his past, which was, we're going to throw when we have the lead, even though we're a run-heavy team. And then the other mistake, he just wasn't even prepared for overtime and most certainly didn't have his team prepared for overtime. So <laughs> I, I don't think he can solve it. He has shown he's not going to solve it. The question well, is, is he willing to have someone come in to help him solve it? You know what's amazing is, like, you bring that up, right? And then you realize how many eight- and nine-man fronts in that third quarter that Spagnolo came at him with, and he's still, well, we're not even going to bother trying. Like, they completely got him away from it. It just shows another moment of being outfoxed. Like, the, the game plan, all of it was great, but in the moments... Can he handle himself the right way? The thing is, I don't he think... He's not the, proven to me he can. The game plan was great early, but if you go back and you sort through everything, you got weapons all over the field. Brandon Ayuk had three catches in that game. Three catches. Now, he was drawing Legereus Sneed for most of the game, so okay. But if Sneed's over there dealing with him, where's George Kittle? Yeah. Where's the guy that we saw four years ago on the sideline saying, I'll be back in this game. I'll be back in this game. Everyone thought he was going to have a big game. Nothing. They didn't get him involved at all. Debo. Hardly involved, then got hurt, then came back in. Non-factor. Jawan Jennings was the best offensive weapon outside of McCaffrey. You can't have that when you have that many weapons. Steve Spagnolo outcoached you. That's a problem. You got outcoached at what you do best, which is design an offense. Then you made the tactical errors of how you were going to deploy that offense in the second half, and then you blew it in overtime. So I don't think it's a hot seat situation. I start to wonder, though, offensive coordinator, head coach. Like, where are we at? Are we going to continue down the head coaching path? You built a program up. You've done a hell of a job, but you're not solving your biggest problem. Everyone on earth can see you have a big problem that you guys are not working to solve. One year from now, we're going to be talking about Kyle Shanahan potentially getting fired. I don't I, I, I still don't know that. about that. I firmly I, believe that. I think Jed's got to be very happy with what he's got. It was a joke of a situation coming off Harbaugh. I understand Joke that. of a situation. I understand that. But, Joe, you and I both know when the opportunity is there and you don't get it, and if we're being truthful about an organization that usually this kind of thing doesn't happen to, they haven't won a title in 29 years. Like, that, that's hard to say, but it's true. They've gotten there. They haven't won a title in 29 years, and that's not what the 49ers are about. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, the Super Bowl. 
was the first controversial ending of the week, but it's certainly not the only one. Oh, you're going to want to hear about this one next on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Night on the hardwood. Up the floor, James hammers a right hand dunk. Let's get caught up with Carlin versus Joe's NB A to Z. Oh, yes, baby. NBA heavy. That's where we are, Joe. NBA heavy. And you know what it starts with, don't you? What's that? It's- Starts with your old buddy in San Antonio. There's a new superstar in the NBA. Wemby the deep catch, the turn, and the flush. In all season, Carlin versus Joe have their eyes on Victor Wimbenyama. That was so, so special. This is Wimby Watch. It's Victor Wimbenyama Day. <laughs> Figure roll layup, no good. Rebound, Dick, follow, blocked by Wemby. That's the 10th block for Victor Wimbenyama. Oh, my. 10 blocks for Victor Wembanyama, and that gives him a triple-double with double-digit blocks. WOAI down in San Antonio, 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks, 5 assists. Joe, none of them, the even the most remarkable number. Did it all in 29 minutes. 29 minutes. 10 of 14 from the field. They end up winning the game. They beat Toronto by 23. Raptors aren't that great, but that doesn't matter. Like, that doesn't matter. The Spurs, if you are just turning your attention to the NBA now that football's done, totally understandable. A lot of people do it. Watch this kid. Watch this kid play. He is living up to every expectation that has been heaped upon him for more than a year, and those were the loftiest of lofty expectations. Keep in mind, 
in a day and age when dudes don't play, when young guys like this are taken and developed very slowly, Wembenyama has appeared in 48 of 54 games. 48 of 54 games this season to qualify for all the postseason awards and postseason all-NBA teams and all that. He just needs to appear in 17 of 28 games. People were concerned about his health and whether or not a guy of that body type can stay healthy because we've seen guys of that size before get hurt quite a bit. Chet Holmgren last year had the Liz Frank injury. This, This kid is every bit what's been advertised. It is a blast to watch him play. Speaking of Holmgren, so Weminyama right now is minus 800 to win Rookie of the Year. Holmgren is next at plus 550. And he's having a great season. He really is. The Thunder have been fantastic, and he's a big reason why. He's been absolutely awesome. I'll tell you, some of those younger players, some of these younger players we're seeing in the league have real opportunity to make this even more exciting. I'll watch in Holmgren. I, I honestly... I, I can't wait to see the Thunder in the playoffs, and I can't wait to see where Wembenyama is going to have this headed in the future because this dude is amazing. Here's the kill, the push out. Here is Ant lining up the three. Oh, Lassen got it. That's Anthony Edwards with another three KFAN up in Minneapolis. Timberwolves still first in the West, beat the Clippers by 21. By 21. How about this number? The Timberwolves this season, Joe, have got 18 road wins to lead the league. That's impressive. That was a statement win last night because the Clippers have been cooking. And just as everyone has turned their attention to them and started talking about how they could go on to win the title, they might be the most feared team in the West. The actual number one seed traveled to their home. They were five, six-point underdogs in that game. Won the game outright. Won the game big. Minnesota has been very impressive for one very specific reason. Defense. They bring the best defense in the NBA to the table. So when we go back and we laugh about that Rudy Gobert trade, how Minnesota gave up so much to get him and how it wasn't working out, it really just took one season before they started figuring out how to deploy their assets. And now they're they're deploying them in a certain way. They're number one in defensive efficiency. These guys can play. And, and while we're talking about the that and the Clippers and how amazing they've been all season, they're 0-2 against the Timberwolves this year, and they're bad against these good defensive teams, to your point. The Clippers, who we've all been saying, oh, look, everybody's playing, this is awesome, 0-7 uh, since December. They've lost seven games against the top defensive teams mm. in the league. Wow. The Clippers don't play a great brand of defense right now. I'd imagine they'll ratchet that up in the playoffs. One note with the Timberwolves, now after a huge win like that, quick turnaround on the road at Portland. Portland's pretty lousy. You're laying eight and a half points. Maybe a little bit of a sleepy spot. Just going to throw that out there. Maybe a little sleepy spot for Minnesota tonight. Sleepy. Giannis has it. Crossing over on Jokic into a swarm of defenders and lays it in with a right hand anyway. Yeah, you think Giannis was out there to prove a point last night? Oh, yeah. 36-18-5. Wow. Did that against Jokic, who, by the way, Jokic had his numbers, Joe, but he was a minus 18 on the night. Milwaukee rolled 112-95 to over the Nuggets. That is an impressive win because going into that game last night, Denver, off their previous eight losses, and they had just lost to the Kings over the weekend, off their previous eight losses, they were 8-0 straight up, 6-2 against the spread. They were winning those games by an average of 12 points per game. They had shown a lot of resiliency. Basically, when the Nuggets lost as of late, they came back to smash the opposition the next time out. Well, they lost to the Kings in sloppy fashion over the weekend. They came back out 
to take on a struggling Milwaukee team, and Milwaukee put it on them. And there's no Chris Middleton in that game last night. Keep that also, in mind. Yeah, but also keep this in mind, too. Second half of that game, no KCP, but more importantly, no Jamal Murray, who is day-to-day right now with a tibia. Be careful there. Look out, Jack. If, if, if Jamal Murray's out for a bit, then we got a little bit of a problem in Denver. Last no, second heave off the mark from Holiday. Did they call a foul? Oh, boy. They caught They're going to review this. Wow. Jalen Brunson on the heave from Holiday. So get this. The Knicks against the Rockets last night in Houston. At the buzzer as the Rockets are throwing up an absolute prayer with Aaron Holiday and Jalen Brunson does a flyby with a hand in the air and gets called for the foul on a three, three free throws. Next thing you know, that's right, 104-103 Houston. Wow, they win at 105-103, and that was a kick in the pants, and they admitted after the game, the officials did, foul never should have been called. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Here is Jalen Brunson asked about it after the game. Thoughts on that last play? What Great call. Have? Next question. What do you feel about your, uh, your closeout on that play? It was a great call. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> Here was the uh, asking of the crew chief, Ed Malloy, from the pool reporter. Why was there a shooting foul called on Jalen Brunson? In live action, it was felt that the lower body contact was illegal. After seeing the replay, uh, the question, do you feel the officials uh, believe it was the correct call? Malloy, after seeing it during the post-game review, the offensive player was able to return to a normal playing position on the floor. Well, all of this here, uh, uh, let me just sum up. Crappy call, and they admitted it. How about that? Yeah, go watch the replay if you haven't seen it. There's virtually no contact whatsoever. And again, it speaks to these late-game scenarios with the officials. If you're going to blow the whistle and you're going to be the one who determines the outcome of the game, not the players, you better be 100% correct. On a play like that, if you don't blow the whistle there, the game goes overtime. I doubt anyone on the Houston bench is complaining. In fact, I know no one's complaining because there's no foul. Yeah. Think about that. If the other team isn't even going to bother to complain about it, there's no reason for you to call it. I know you think you saw something, but you cost the Knicks a game last night. People pay good money to go to these games. Those mistakes can't happen. It better be incredibly egregious. Just like what we see on Hail Marys in the end zone in the NFL. I don't care if guys are getting tackled. We understand that that's what's going to happen there. They're not going to blow the whistle. Here, don't blow the whistle unless you see something horrific. And that wasn't even close. They didn't even make contact. And it was a one-handed heave, too. A one-handed heave. And if you're wondering why the Knicks didn't challenge, it's because they already had in the second quarter and they were unsuccessful, so they didn't have a challenge to use. Great rule there, too. Great rule. What's the point of having challenges if you can't challenge the stuff that needs to be challenged? Uh, It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, from superchargers, exhaust kits, and more. eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive, Joe. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, Joseph, one top NFL quarterback could be a free agent nobody's talking about it we're gonna get into that with one of our insiders in just moments after i tell you about this 
from our friends over at Indeed. It is the perfect time to gear up and connect to quality candidates, and there's no better way to do that than through Indeed, the hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in the same place. Their interview tool helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right from your employer dashboard. Next to hassle, start hiring indeed.com slash credit. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I didn't even know about the new playoff overtime rules, so it was a surprise to me. You know what? I didn't even realize that the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. Kyle Shanahan, of all people, knows that the Super Bowl can go to overtime, but it is at minimum a very bad look that I know the rule, and I'm just watching the game on TV. How do the players playing in it not know that rule? It's been a point of contention for 48 hours. There's always a couple, for sure, after the Super Bowl. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. And on TuneIn, we welcome in Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Uh, Dan, let's just let's start here. We've had a lot of talk about that the last couple of days. But let's talk about the future of both of these organizations. Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs, because Joe and I have spent a lot of time today talking about who exactly is going to be able to knock off the Chiefs in the AFC over the next few years. But they've got two big free agents in Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. How does this play out here for the Chiefs in the coming months? Hard to imagine keeping both, uh, given what they'll, the cost will be. They never really got close to um, a contract extension with Jones last year. And, and you remember, he was... Uh, you know, aggravated enough about that. He actually sat out the first game. Um, so unless someone's position has changed dramatically, I don't know if they'll come to a, a, a contract agreement. If they wanted to franchise him, it's going to cost them about $32 million. So that's going to be a tough number to carry. Now, you could carry it, just going to make uh, doing their other offseason business very challenging. Um, and so that's the tricky part. Sneed is going to want top-of-the-line top quarterback cornerback excuse me not quarterback cornerback money um and and you can't blame him based on the way he performed this year but i just don't know that that's going to be in the budget and you've seen over the past couple of years the chiefs 
really drafting at that position, you know, in a big way. And I wonder if maybe they, they might feel like, uh, you know, they can let him go and they can replace him. Let's go to the other side of the field with the San Francisco 49ers. How does, what's their off season outlook, uh, specifically Brandon Ayuk, who's going to be entering the fifth year of a five-year rookie deal. Right. And he'll want an extension uh, as, as, as they all do. And, uh, and he'll deserve it coming off a big year, but, you know, they're paying Debo Samuel top-end wide receiver money. They're paying Nick Bosa top-end edge rusher money. They're paying Trent Williams top-end left tackle money. They're paying Fred Warner top-end linebacker money. I may be forgetting one or two. They don't have a quarterback making any money. That that helps them. That uh, Brock Purdy is still under a million dollars next year. But they want to do uh, extensions for Ayuk. They want to do an extension for uh, the safety, Talanoa Hufunga, and, and at some point you can't keep everybody. If they go to Ayuk and say, look, we don't, we just don't have it in the budget to do an extension for you, and he says, that's cool, uh, but I'd like to be somewhere where they will, then that creates a situation where you could see Brandon Ayuk on the market. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, tricky budgeting ahead for the 49ers. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Let's stay out west here as we start to tackle some of the other teams with questions coming up here. Why is Friday such an important date for Geno Smith? On Friday, if Geno Smith is still on the Seahawks roster on Friday, uh, his $12.7 million salary for this year becomes fully guaranteed. Now, his his pay this year is that $12.7 million and a $9.6 million roster bonus uh, that's paid on, um, or that vests at least, on March 18th. So if, hypothetically, and we don't know what their plan is, but if the Seahawks were thinking about going in a different direction at quarterback uh, this coming year under a new coaching staff at the time of transition there, uh, it's possible that that decision could be made this week and you could see uh, a situation where Geno Smith would be on the market perhaps even that soon. I don't know that that's the way they'll go. They could keep him, guaranteed the 12.7, and still, you know, look at their options in the draft and, and you know, keep him around at that kind of number or, or cut him and pay that money. Uh, so uh, interesting situation to watch here over the next couple of days with the Seahawks and Geno Smith, who I think personally um, would be a really fascinating addition to this offseason quarterback market. He's, he's 11th in the league in uh, – total QBR over the last two years and uh, certainly, you know, you could do worse. So if they would move on, I think they're drafting right around 16th or so. Yeah. Michael Penix from the University of Washington could be available. They did just hire Washington's offensive coordinator to step into that yeah. role on their team. Uh, Bo Nix from the Pacific Northwest as well at Oregon. Could they be looking to draft a quarterback? Could Justin Fields, a trade there be in play? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to want to connect those dots between Grubb, the new uh, offensive coordinator there, and Penix, who he coached in college, and and, and that maybe that's that's part of their thinking. But you know, they could also be in a situation where they would trade up from 16 if they were looking to draft a quarterback. Remember, they did a lot of work on the quarterbacks in last year's draft. They went out to the pro days and saw and talked to Stroud and Young and Anthony Richardson. They were picking five last year because they had that Broncos pick from the. Russell Wilson trade. They didn't have taken one. All those guys were taken before they picked. But you know that Seattle is looking around with the idea that at some point they're going to need to find their long-term solution at that position. And Geno Smith, as well as he's played for them, 33 years old, it's possible they just don't see him as that. Dan Graziano with us. Are you buying in at all to the notion that you guys have talked about on Get Up? We talked about it earlier today that the Bears could actually keep Justin Fields 
and draft Caleb Williams? No. Okay. Good answer. Why? <laughs> um, the, the, uh, it doesn't make any sense from, for the coaching staff. I mean, the example that, that Jeff Saturday was, was uh, pushing on us today was the Chiefs in 2017. But come on. I mean, like, A, Andy Reid was a coach. B, uh, Alex Smith was in a different point in his career, I think, than Justin Fields is in his at this, po- at this point. I think, you know, they were in a situation where Mahomes was kind of viewed as a, as a raw prospect that could use the time on the bench. And they started out 5-0 and and stayed in first place all year. If you're going to you know, draft a quarterback, particularly draft him number one overall, you know, you got to win right away in order to hold that off, in order to say, oh, no, the best thing for him is to be on the bench. Uh, the Chiefs were never in a position in 2017 where there were, like, legitimate calls for Mahomes to play over Alex Smith because Alex Smith was playing great and they were in first place. So I, if the Bears think they can do that, then – power to them but um i don't and uh, i think you're creating a very difficult situation for your coaching staff if you if you bring in if you were to draft caleb williams and keep justin fields around you know speaking of Schefter, he had mentioned yesterday that the steelers will be in a mix for a quarterback this offseason what do you expect them to do could they be in the justin field sweepstakes by the way just let me get back on that like i am not i mean Schefter reported that that that's been discussed in Chicago, right? Like drafting Williams and keeping Fields. And certainly that there's no question that's true. I'm not questioning Adams reporting. I do think the Bears are a team in a front office that 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 asks every single question it possibly can before making a decision. I think mm-hmm. it's unlikely uh, that they would go that way. Pittsburgh, Fields, very interesting. I, I think the hiring of Arthur Smith as offensive coordinator um, – is worth watching here. I think I've talked to some people who really think that Fields would mesh with what Arthur Smith wants to do. Uh, I talked to other people, including Saturday this morning, who thinks that he, he probably wouldn't. So uh, I think that Fields is a guy that is an option for the Steelers, who will definitely be looking to bring in somebody, uh, even if they haven't fully given up on Kenny Pickett. I think they obviously acknowledge that uh, there's a chance he's not the answer at this point. He was healthy at the end of the year, and they're still playing Mason Rudolph over him in playoff games. Danny, great stuff. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. It is my pleasure, gentlemen. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. So what are the Steelers going to do at quarterback? I'm going to give you the best and worst-case scenarios in moments. Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces, come join their growing team. Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. We're on ESPN radio and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. Are you ready? Live from the heart of downtown Detroit, Michigan. The Detroit Lions select. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 25th. The NFL Draft is now officially open. The countdown rolls on. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You blink and we'll be there for sure. Because you blinked and this season went by. Oh my God. It honestly feels like it was week one just yesterday. But here we are. Super Bowl is in the rearview mirror. It's Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. We will hit your calls soon. And we promise that. And my promise is, well, they're pretty empty most of the time. So (laughs) do with that what you will. But... You know, this whole thing that we were just talking about with Dan regarding the Steelers and where they could head for a quarterback here. As a fan, it feels like there are very easily two distinct scenarios that are worst case and best case. Best case scenario to me is trading for Justin Fields. I think that would be amazing. Now, I heard a lot of this last week that because they hired Arthur Smith, they'd never go and get Justin Fields. And I, I, I'm sorry. If Arthur Smith is determining who the quarterback's going to be, we got a bigger problem, don't we? Uh, yeah, that would be problematic. Yeah. I don't think he was brought in to overhaul the organizational mindset. N- no, not in the least. Is that a best-case scenario for Pittsburgh in your mind? Justin Fields? Yes. I, I mean, we can call it best-case. I don't think it solves their problems. I think you're going to add – you're going to move on from one quarterback who's flawed to another quarterback who's flawed. That's what ends up happening. I don't think you solve the quarterback situation. I think you change it, but Fields has got to find a way to not take so many vicious blows. He gets injured too often because he's such a phenomenal athlete and he's a big guy, but in the NFL, everybody's big, everybody's fast, and you're telling me six games a year against the Ravens, Jim Schwartz's defense – And the Cincinnati defense, you're going to find a way to stay healthy through all that? Like, the size helps in terms of durability, but you got to know when to get down. you got to know when to get out of bounds. I agree that it would be incredibly exciting, and it'd be worth seeing over what they've been trotting out there. I don't think that solves the quarterback problems long term. But to answer your original question of, is this best case? I guess, because it doesn't seem like anyone more viable is going to be available to them. Doesn't feel that way. It doesn't – worst case – I mean, well, worst case. Hold on, don't go to worst case just yet. Don't go to yeah. worst case. Best case. As a Steeler fan, how excited do you get? I get very excited. Do you rep? Do you feel that you are an accurate representation of Steeler Nation? 
Physically? Yes. Um, <laughs> emotionally, like I think for. so. Or, or logically, I would think so. Okay. So yes. if Fields comes to Pittsburgh, people are fired up for the upcoming season. I would absolutely believe so. Okay. Because, and I was going to worst case for a very good reason based on that exact question. Worst case is Ryan Tannehill. And to me, that feels not much better than Mitch Trubisky. It kind of feels like, why didn't you just stick with Trubisky for another year? At that point, because if you're just going to bring in that kind of guy, then what are we doing to actually improve this scenario, to actually improve it where we think, all right, we can go win with that guy. I, I think what we saw with the Titans when Tannehill was successful got exposed. Got exposed when they were the number one seed and immediately get knocked out, right? Got exposed when they ultimately did not have nearly enough success with him as quarterback. He's just a guy. J-A-G. Just a guy. Jag. So to speak. Uh, I let you say it. but J-A-G. That spells Jag. There's no other inference that needs to be made there. Anyone who's going there, that's on them. That's not on us. Eh, Listen. It's it's kind of on you. You started it. Right. But for me, I... Joe, like, what what other scenario is there that for a team that consistently makes the playoffs with bad quarterbacks, is there to get better? There, there's not a better scenario to get better than Justin Fields. I mean, like, the Tannehill situation, his best years were under Arthur Smith. And and one could argue that in, in Pittsburgh, you don't need elite quarterback play with that defense and some of those weapons. Like, see, a competent guy who can thing. protect the football can no, win no, some no, games, no, no, no. right? You are taking this for granted. The Steelers had elite quarterback play for 15 years or whatever it was, 2004 to 2019, 20. I mean, the last year or two, Roethlisberger, not great, but they had it for 15 years. And now because they win the games that they do, we automatically think they can get to the next level without it. I want to see if this guy can be the next elite quarterback. I don't want to see somebody come in and just be, okay. So you're, what you're telling me is, with Ryan Tannehill, let's go back to Tommy Maddox. Like, they had Tommy Maddox in between before Roethlisberger, and he was decent, but Tommy Maddox is not getting you over the hump. Are we – Are we didn't even mention his name. Are we We're just officially done with Kenny Pickett? Like, we've seen everything we need to see there? If you're riding this out with, with either Tannehill or somebody else like that, no. If you're bringing in Fields, yes. Okay. Personally, I'm done. I've you're done that. with Kenny Pickett. Yes. And I how do you feel that. about Pittsburgh's draft pick this year? Is that quarterback earmarked? Not a 20. It's quarterback earmarked if they would talk about making a deal. Could they, like, would I be okay if they traded the 20th pick to go get Justin Fields? Ultimately, I would. You're okay with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's try to make that happen because to me, the sooner you admit these mistakes, the better off you're going to be. Look at what San Francisco did with Trey Lance. I mean, that that rolled around for a couple of years. You wouldn't be making that size of a mistake, certainly. They they didn't do that with Pickett. But why I'm done with Pickett is because Pickett played 50 games in college. And now we're seeing him at age 26 and there's not much here in the first two years that makes me think he's going to adapt to the league. And I get it. He had Matt Canada. That was not ideal, but that was not the only problem. Now, do you feel, because this feels very off-brand for the Steelers, 
but how would you feel about an aggressive move up the draft board to possibly put yourself in range for, and you'd have to go up quite high. You'd have to give up several picks, several high picks over the next few years, not necessarily suggesting one for Caleb Williams, but maybe going up to three-ish, that range, maybe for a Jaden Daniels-type player, mortgaging the future to go get one of these guys now. Does that strike the big boy's fancy? That's fine, but you better be right. You got to be right. So that's that's very risky, though, because if you know you're going to be right, then obviously you give up the picks. And and I'm not going to say that they have to be right immediately with a guy like Jaden Daniels. Again, it's all the experience that Pickett had already coming in and the age factor where growing into the league shouldn't take as long as it has where I don't see enough good. Like those guys, all right, you come in, we'll make that trade for you. Like that's almost like the field situation. I would let them go and play picket this year and let that guy sit and let's figure it out and develop him from there and develop him the right way and not jam him down everybody's throat. More excited for Justin Fields or perhaps Kirk Cousins, who is also a free agent. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I would be all about Kirk Cousins if we're saying we're going to go get it right now. All right? Like there's the in-between with Fields because we're going to hopefully – not only just trade for him, win now, but also win in the future. But if we say our best course of action here is to sign Cousins, not give up capital, then boom, I'm good with that too. Because I think you can win with Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you lose Hall of Fame quarterback play, Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Eli Manning. Like, you look at those teams, it's just, it really doesn't matter if they can't solve that one problem. The rest is just Here's really what I appreciate more than anything else. You took that segment and you made it 100% about me. Yeah. And I think we can all agree that's a winning formula. (laughs) This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.